chapter eleven of mrs craddock by william somerset mom this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva but edward was certainly not an ardent lover bertha could not tell when first she had noticed his irresponsiveness at the beginning she had known only that she loved her husband with all her heart and her ardor had lit up his somewhat pallid attachment till it seemed to glow as fiercely as her own yet gradually she began to think that he made very little return for the wealth of affection which she lavished upon him the causes of her dissatisfaction were scarcely explicable a slight motion of withdrawal an indifference to her feelings little nothings which seemed almost comic bertha at first likened edward to the hippolytus of phaedra he was untamed and wild the kisses of woman frightened him his phlegm pleased her disguised as rustic savagery and she said her passion should thaw the icicles of his heart but soon she ceased to consider his passiveness amusing sometimes she upbraided him and often when alone she wept i wonder if you realize what pain you cause me at times said bertha oh i don't think i do anything of the kind you don't see it when i kiss you it's the most natural thing in the world for you to push me away as if almost as if you couldn't bear me nonsense to himself edward was the same now as when they were first married of course after four months of married life you can't expect a man to be the same as on his honeymoon one can't always be making love and canoodling everything in its proper time and season he added with the unoriginal man's fondness for proverbial philosophy after the day's work he liked to read his standard in peace so when bertha came up to him he put her gently aside leave me alone for a bit there's a good girl oh you don't love me she cried then feeling as if her heart would break he did not look up from his paper nor make reply he was in the middle of a leading article why don't you answer she cried because you're talking nonsense he was the best-humoured of men and bertha's temper never disturbed his equilibrium he knew that women felt a little irritable at times but if a man gave em plenty of rope they'd calm down after a bit women are like chickens he told a friend give em a good run properly closed in with stout wire netting so that they can't get into mischief and when they cluck and cackle just sit tight and take no notice marriage had made no great difference in edward's life he had always been a man of regular habits and these he continued to cultivate of course he was more comfortable there's no denying it a fellow wants a woman to look after him he told dr ramsay whom he sometimes met on the latter's rounds before i was married i used to find my shirts wore out in no time but now when i see a cuff getting a bit groggy i just give it to the missus and she makes it as good as new there's a good deal of extra work isn't there now you've taken on the home farm oh bless you i enjoy it fact is i can't get enough work to do and it seems to me that if you want to make farming pay nowadays you must do it on a big scale all day edward was occupied 
if not on the farms then with business at blackstable turkenberry and faversley i don't approve of idleness he said they always say the devil finds work for idle hands to do and upon my word i think there's a lot of truth in it miss glover to whom this sentiment was addressed naturally approved and when edward immediately afterwards went out leaving her with bertha she said what a good fellow your husband is you don't mind my saying so do you not if it pleases you said bertha dryly i hear praise of him from every side of course charles has the highest opinion of him bertha did not answer and miss glover added you can't think how glad i am that you're so happy bertha smiled you've got such a kind heart fanny the conversation dragged and after five minutes of heavy silence miss glover rose to go when the door was closed upon her bertha sank back in her chair thinking this was one of her unhappy days eddie had walked into blackstable and she had wished to accompany him i don't think you'd better come with me he said i'm in rather a hurry and i shall walk fast i can walk fast too she said her face clouding over no you can't i know what you call walking fast if you like you can come and meet me on the way back oh you do everything you can to hurt me it looks as if you welcomed an opportunity of being cruel how unreasonable you are bertha can't you see i'm in a hurry and i haven't got time to saunter along and chatter about the buttercups well let's drive in that's impossible the mare isn't well and the pony had a hard day yesterday he must rest to-day it's simply because you don't want me to come it's always the same day after day you invent anything to get rid of me she burst into tears knowing that what she said was unjust but feeling notwithstanding extremely ill-used edward smiled with irritating good temper you'll be sorry for what you said when you've calmed down and then you'll want me to forgive you she looked up flushing you think i'm a child and a fool no i just think you're out of sorts to-day then he went out whistling and she heard him give an order to the gardener in his usual manner as cheerful as if nothing had happened bertha knew that he had already forgotten the little scene nothing affected his good humour she might weep she might tear her heart out metaphorically and bang it on the floor edward would not be perturbed he would still be placid good-tempered forbearing hard words he said broke nobody's bones women are like chickens when they cluck and cackle sit tight and take no notice on his return edward appeared not to see that his wife was out of temper his spirits were always equable and he was an unobservant person she answered him in monosyllables but he chattered away delighted at having driven a good bargain with a man in blackstable bertha longed for him to remark upon her condition so that she might burst out with reproaches but edward was hopelessly dense or else he saw and was unwilling to give her an opportunity to speak bertha almost for the first time was seriously angry with her husband and it frightened her suddenly edward seemed an enemy and she wished to inflict some hurt upon him she did not understand herself what was going to happen next why wouldn't he say something so that she might pour forth her woes and then be reconciled 
the day wore on and she preserved a sullen silence her heart was beginning to ache terribly the night came and still edward made no sign she looked about for a chance of beginning the quarrel but nothing offered bertha pretended to go to sleep and she did not give him the kiss the never-ending kiss of lovers which they always exchanged surely he would notice it surely he would ask what troubled her and then she could at last bring him to his knees but he said nothing he was dog-tired after a hard day's work and without a word went to sleep in five minutes bertha heard his heavy regular breathing then she broke down she could never sleep without saying good-night to him without the kiss of his lips he's stronger than i she said because he doesn't love me bertha wept silently she could not bear to be angry with her husband she would submit to anything rather than pass the night in wrath and the next day as unhappily as this she was entirely humbled at last unable any longer to bear the agony she woke him eddie you've not said good-night to me by jove i forgot all about it he answered sleepily bertha stifled a sob halloa what's the matter he said you're not crying just because i forgot to kiss you i was awfully fagged you know he really had noticed nothing whatever while she was passing through utter distress he had been as happily self-satisfied as usual but the momentary recurrence of bertha's anger was quickly stilled she could not afford now to be proud you're not angry with me she said i can't sleep unless you kiss me silly girl he whispered you do love me don't you yes he kissed her as she loved to be kissed and in the delight of it her anger was quite forgotten i can't live unless you love me oh i wish i could make you understand how i love you we're friends again now aren't we we haven't ever been otherwise bertha gave a sigh of relief and lay in his arms completely happy a minute more and edward's breathing told her that he had already fallen asleep she dared not move for fear of waking him the summer brought bertha new pleasures and she set herself to enjoy the pastoral life which she had imagined the elms of court leys now were dark with leaves and the heavy close-fitting verdure gave quite a stately look to the house the elm is the most respectable of trees over pompous if anything but perfectly well bred and the shade it casts is no ordinary shade but solid and self-assured as befits the estate of a county family the fallen trunk had been removed and in the autumn young trees were to be planted in the vacant spaces edward had set himself with a will to put the place properly to rights the spring had seen a new coat of paint on court leys so that it looked spick and span as the suburban villa of a stockbroker the beds which for years had been neglected now were trim with the abominations of carpet bedding squares of red geraniums contrasted with circles of yellow calcellarias the overgrown boxwood was cut down to a just height the hawthorn hedge was doomed and edward had arranged to enclose the grounds with a wooden palisade and laurel bushes 
the drive was decorated with several loads of gravel so that it became a thing of pride to the successor of an ancient and lackadaisical race craddock had not reigned in their stead a fortnight before the grimy sheep were expelled from the lawns on either side of the avenue and since then the grass had been industriously mown and rolled now a tennis court had been marked out which as edward said made things look homely finally the iron gates were gorgeous in black and gold as suited the entrance to a gentleman's mansion and the renovated lodge proved to all and sundry that court leys was in the hands of a man who knew what was what and delighted in the proprieties though bertha abhorred all innovations she had meekly accepted edward's improvements they formed an inexhaustible topic of conversation and his enthusiasm always pleased her by jove he said rubbing his hands the changes will make your aunt simply jump won't they they will indeed said bertha smiling she shuddered a little at the prospect of miss ley's sarcastic praise she'll hardly recognize the place the house looks as good as new and the grounds might have been laid out only a half a dozen years ago give me five years more and even you won't know your old home miss ley had at last accepted one of the invitations which edward insisted should be showered upon her and wrote to say she was coming down for a week edward was of course much pleased as he said he wanted to be friends with everybody and it didn't seem natural that bertha's only relative should make a point of avoiding them it looks as if she didn't approve of our marriage and it makes the people talk he met the good lady at the station and somewhat to her disgust greeted her with effusion ah there you are at last he bellowed in his jovial way we thought you were never coming here porter he raised his voice so that the platform shook and rumbled he seized both miss ley's hands and the terrifying thought flashed through her head that he would kiss her before the assembled multitude he's cultivating the airs of the country squire she thought i wish he wouldn't he took the innumerable bags with which she travelled and scattered them among the attendants he even tried to induce her to take his arm to the dog-cart but this honour she stoutly refused now will you come round to this side and i'll help you up your luggage will come on afterwards with the pony he was managing everything in a self-confident and masterful fashion miss ley noticed that marriage had dispelled the shyness which had been in him rather an attractive feature he was becoming bluff and hardy also he was filling out prosperity and a knowledge of greater importance had broadened his back and straightened his shoulders he was quite three inches more round the chest than when she had first known him and his waist had proportionately increased if he goes on developing in this way she thought the good man will be colossal by the time he's forty of course aunt polly he said boldly dropping the respectful miss ley which hitherto he had invariably used though his new relative was not a woman whom most men would have ventured to treat familiarly 
of course it's all rot about your leaving us in a week you must stay a couple of months at least it's very good of you dear edward replied miss ley dryly but i have other engagements then you must break them i can't have people leave my house immediately they come miss ley raised her eyebrows and smiled was it his house already dear me my dear edward she answered i never stay anywhere longer than two days the first day i talk to people the second i let them talk to me and the third i go i stay a week at hotels so as to go en pension and get my washing properly aired <laughs> you're treating us like a hotel said edward laughing it's a great compliment in private houses one gets so abominably waited on ah well we'll say no more about it but i shall have your trunk taken to the box-room and i keep the key of it miss ley gave the short dry laugh which denoted that her interlocutor's remark had not amused her but something in her own mind presently they arrived at court leys do you see all the differences since you were last here asked edward jovially miss ley looked round and pursed her lips it's charming she said i knew it would make you sit up he cried laughing bertha received her aunt in the hall and embraced her with the grave decorum which had always characterized their relations how clever you are bertha said miss ley you manage to preserve your beautiful figure then she set herself solemnly to investigate the connubial bliss of the young couple End of chapter 11